If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pennies Going In Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy! On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we talk about making money, and options in a down market. You find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello, 40% right is a fucking killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. You know so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about Ibex? It's going up a shit ton now. We're up 4%, baby. No way. Four fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words <laughs> different. It's like, fuck, man, I just got dick whipped for like 20%. And now that f***er's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies. 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 Going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny. And Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Today we have a special guest. We've had him on. Is it maybe our most guested guest? It's his third time on. Uh, it's Manzel. How are you? And thanks for joining us. I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Dude, uh, you know, eh, you know, hopefully better than Spy. Um, I've got a lot of cash <laughs> on hand. And, you know, right. today, this week, I mean, we're recording this on on Tuesday on the 25th. But I mean past week and a half, it's kind of like a, it's a metaphor war, about to be a war in the world. And it looks like it is a war in the market. It is, it is pretty choppy. Yeah, man. I mean, I guess what goes up must come down. Right. So, but I'm happy to be back. Thank you guys for having me again. Oh yeah. Of course, no bro. problem. Um, it makes our life easier, man. It's just like half, half less work for us. But, uh, judging by your, your tweets and your retweets of people that follow you, you've managed to stay afloat. And that may be an understatement for what you and your followers have been able to do in this market where so many others have been yeah, not doing so well. Uh, can you kind of like, at least just giving us an introduction into how you are playing this and, and what kind of gave you the experience? Because, I mean, you're you're a newer trader as well. And I mean, were you even trading whenever like it first crashed in 2020, whenever 
you know, you could have made tons. I mean, if you did puts at the right time. Yeah. So um, I went, that was like right when I had started trading was when we were going through like the halt downs every day, like right before COVID. Um, yeah, and, I know, thought it was those like, were normal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We hit our 7% for the day. Like, you know, <laughs> spies done. Right. Uh, so that's when I kind of first started, had no clue about shorting. Uh, that was like right when I had found Hugh on Twitter and like really started to get introduced to like short-term trading. Cause up to that point, I had only known about like investing, like you buy when it dips, but this was the biggest dip I had ever experienced, right? Like my grandpa had told me about 2011 or 2001 when, you know, the, the towers crash and everything. And obviously like I know the market went through a lot then, but this was the first real dip I'd been through. And then, um, but I had no clue how to short yet, but I spent a lot of time like last March when we originally got this kind of uh, that growth, like it was like the preview correction, right? Where like all the SPACs got murdered, all the like really speculative growth just got crushed. It's, it's where we were all saying like, oh, this is the hedge funds getting back at us for AMC and GameStop. Exactly. Yeah, little did yeah. we know that was just the, uh, yeah, that, that was, was just the first taste. Tip of the, the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. that, that, was, that was the trailer. <laughs> yeah. That was the movie trailer. But I learned to short like Tesla and like some of the Bitcoin names when that all happened. And then you know, honestly, I've just been kind of getting ready for this in a sense. Like I had been preparing like the room a lot with like, Hey, this is like the best, you know, way to kind of learn how to short. Right. And learning these key concepts, because I saw the disconnect between spy and all these equities. And I was like, you know what? I really think we're going to have some type of pretty serious correction soon. You know, just cause you can look at that spy weekly chart and just, you know, it's like kind of like, Holy shit. Like this thing has just been going parabolic, right? Like, so, you know, just preparation and, and really understanding like, you know, how to trade both sides is super crucial. Yeah. It's a, it's, we, everybody knew there was a ticking time bomb I felt, but what's crazy is that when the other shoe dropped, it was like a surprise and who even knows, like this could just be like a quick little correction. And then we're back to like business as normal, but it, it's like, uh, it's like 2% down inside the market and everyone's like, holy shit, there we go bear market back to 250 on spy like and and who knows like i'm not i'm not saying no i'm not saying yes but uh but it's almost like everybody was waiting for it waiting for it and then it started to show signs of this and everybody was like oh all right back back down we go it was fun while it lasted right you know well i think that's just you know that's kind of the market that we're in right it's like nobody really knows i think it's the biggest like you know, when I started trading, it was this, you know, okay, buy calls, like, you know, NVIDIA is going to go crazy forever, or, you know, whatever stock, right? It was the mid caps. And now it's just like, literally, like, we have no clue what's going on. Spy could go to 350 or it could go to 500. I, I just don't really think anybody has a good grasp on it, right? I mean, I personally want Spy to go down um, for multiple <laughs> reasons. One, because I don't have any long-term index holdings, like me personally. So, and the market's never not gone higher. So if you're an investor, I'm talking purely about investors. And I tweeted this and caught some hate for it the other day. You want the market to go down so that you can buy the dip. Like if you know for, sure. for a fact, which I'm going to say for a fact, I know that the market inside my lifetime will hit 500, you know, higher than what it is currently, or, you know, what the all-time high was. I want it to go down. Fuck, bring it to 50. Okay, because at the end of the day, as an investor, the market's never not gone higher. Okay, individual names, fine, but the market's never not gone higher. So I want it to go higher. And the other thing, and I think I think Mans will agree me agree with me on this, is that the short side is so much better and so much easier to trade when it's there. 
And the reason that 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 that, that I've found that that is is because only like ten or fifteen percent of traders truly trade from the short side. So we get all these long onlys, and that's fine. I love trading from the long side. But the short side gives a much better move. We always talk about, and if you have a PGR calendar, look up at it. It's the backside of the trade comes 10 times faster. The reason that that is, is that's because it's not crowded. And everybody that buys the dip, once it start, keeps dipping, now those, pan, now those dip buyers become panic sellers. Right. Thoughts? No, Agree? 100%, Disagree? man. Yeah. 100%, man. You hit it on the head. That's why the trade is so much smoother to the downside is because there's just a lot less people making money, right? You have to think about it. it's just basically the inverse of like when a stock is long, there are so many people that are coming at it from that front side and they're all making money, right? Which is fine and it's great, but that's why it's kind of like a slow, gradual climb, right? And on the backside, it's like you, you said, you have 10% of that, like people that were long that are shorting it because they're just not a lot of people approach it that way, either because they don't know or whatever, right? Or they feel like it's immoral, but there's money to be made there. And there, and it's so smooth, right? Because you just, you know, there's these longs that are trapped and you have to view it from that, you know, side. It's like the way I look at it, some of the smartest people that have been, you know, traders, investors, whatever you want to talk, call it, right? They have come at this from the short side. Like think about Michael Burry, right? This isn't even like stocks. He like, you know, shorted the housing market, right? In 2008. Something that he couldn't even do before he was like, can I do this? Exactly. Right? And market. I think that, yeah, exactly. You're going to see that soon. Like I, I fully believe that you'll see that happen in like the NFT space soon. I mean, people are making a killing shorting crypto on the downside right now. Right. Can be it's, able to it's, like it's no fade someone's NFTs. I mean, you could right, probably exactly. do swaps. I mean, why not? If you, it, 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 why not? If I'm an, if I'm an ape holder, I, I honestly, I just threw out a name that I've heard. If I'm an ape right. holder and you'll give me two grand a month, but right. if it goes down to a certain price, I have to give you a certain amount of money. If I feel that confident, fuck yeah. It's like doubling up your position. You right. know what I mean? mean? Dude, like I think shorting CryptoPunks isn't like a terrible idea. Shoot me now, NFT guys. Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, you're not going to no. get it. I mean, listen, that sounds idea. like a game that, that I am not, I'm not built for <laughs> for multiple reasons. But, uh, but I mean, fuck it. You know, like if you want to take swaps on it, you want to risk your life. I'm, I'm, I'll be there for the ride to watch Dude, it. Gary V would be enemy number one for any, anyone yeah, shorting yeah. in, in an NFT. Woo, buddy, could you but, imagine? You're playing with fire. Yeah, dude. He'd, he'd write a book about you. But Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries from models and beauty industry stars to doctors entrepreneurs and tv personalities climbing in heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour inspiration and fun every week listeners will be able to ask me any questions i'm answering it all my life is absolutely crazy with so much going on and i'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride whether we're talking red carpet looks current trends or products i'm obsessed with i'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother listen to climbing in heels every friday on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge then look no further than the marketing school podcast hosted by neil patel and yours truly eric sue it is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. 
And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But, um, you know, we kind of talked about it last time, how you said, you know, you didn't do much puts, but you also just said you were kind of prepping for this since like March. Uh, and right. also people say all the time, you know, you lose more money waiting for the dip than if you just kept playing and it happened. How did you kind of see this turn in the market happening? How many calls did just not go your way until you said, okay, you know, this is clearly time to reverse, reverse. Well, honestly, I'm not going to say I've been like on this for like six months or anything like that. Like I was happily trading the long side all summer. Like I traded the melt up, all that stuff. When I really started to get ready for this side of things was when the long side trades stopped being as smooth. Like you can kind of sense it like when you like, and people that trade options will know about this. If, if you don't like, uh, hopefully you understand. It's like when you're in that trade, especially with options, you can tell if the trade is, is working smoothly or not, because that premium is going to move, you know, in like, again, follow the underlying, right. But you can kind of tell if it's stiff and heavy or if it's just going really smoothly and there's a ton of liquidity. Right. And especially when, you know, trading spy and QQQ and things like that, trades in both directions for a while got pretty forced. And then really the last two weeks, we've finally gotten a sense of direction and, and the short side is just working 10, 10 times smoother than the long side is, right? It's like, even when you try to trade the long side now, it just feels a lot more forced. There's not as many buyers, it feels like, right? So the, the you know, the backside of these trades are just working so much faster and uh, so much cleaner. And I think that's what, you know, when I saw that kind of happening on the long side, I, I kind of, you know, was at least in like, okay, preparation mode. Like I just made a video, um, which is like how to short for dummies basically. And then I'm not being, you know, uh, mean by saying that or, or, you know, disparaging. I'm just saying like, if you don't know how to short, which I, I understand there is a ton of people that don't like this video is really going to explain it. in it's like simplest form, right? Because there needs to be like some form of education on this because I, I feel like, you know, if not, then a bunch of traders are just going to get absolutely annihilated from the market. And I don't personally want to see that. I like progressing the community that we have. So I made that. And, and I, you know, coincidentally, right, the week that we that we drop it, the Sunday, right, that yesterday happens, we get the big crash. And then, you know, it was it was it was good timing, I guess. So I know you keep saying short. Are, are you are you mainly doing puts or are you shorting it all too? No, yeah, I'll, I'll mainly play puts because there's just uh, you can risk less and your risk is defined. So that's a big one, right? A lot of people, um, maybe you don't know the difference, right? Maybe if you've just been in small caps, you have heard of people shorting small caps, right? And like low floats and things like that, which honestly is like way too risky for me because a low float like decides to ramp and go to what was it? SPI went to like 100 or something crazy like that, right? It like so went something a thousand you can't percent. recover from. <laughs> Right. You, there's unlimited losses when you are, are short equity, right? But if you take it from the put option side, you have a defined risk. Like if you buy a contract, a, a, you know, a spy put for a dollar, which is a hundred dollars in, in total, like, you know, 
money coming from your account, you can only lose $100. It's not like if SPY just goes to you know 500 the next day, you're going to lose your account. You're going to lose that dollar that you put into the option contract. So for me, it's, it's the same, You know, obviously more volatility. Uh, you have to be careful about which expirations you're playing, but it's just way uh, more of a defined risk, which I like um, shorting the, you know, via puts rather than equity. So I just play the, the put options. Yeah. And, and it's nice to have some more education out on the short side as well, because it feels like, especially in the social media side of it with all these retail traders, the short side just keeps getting this terrible rap as just the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, look at like, look at Nathan. Like, I mean, he's been on the pod before and like, like I'm sure, you know, Hugh will say this too, but like he gets wrecked on Twitter because he's short a lot of names, but it, like his thesis in general is correct. I'm not saying I agree with like everything he does or whatever, but like we need to make this like more socially acceptable. Like there's so much money to be made here. And when I say so much, there is a lot of money to be made. Like literally just as wealthy as people got on the way up on GME, AMC, all those names, you could have or still can, you know, gain just as much financial prosperity from the, the downside as you did from the upside. So, you know, really what I'm trying to do is just, you know, make it a little bit of an, a more approachable uh, topic, right? That's why we like put the memes in the videos and try to make it as lighthearted as possible. But at the same time, like portray it as like, hey, like there's an opportunity here, right? You know, and the education is there if you want to learn. You kind of, you, you know what I mean, Mitch? Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, the thing is that, is that everybody, so first off, it's like, I'll see someone who shorted, let's call, you know, Facebook or something. And they'll be like, oh, I just shedded, you know, $5 billion off Facebook. No, no, you fucking didn't. Like, right. you caught the media move. Congratulations. But like, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not an American for shorting American companies. Like that is like a huge yeah. thing. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, like a lot of people get shit for for nine eleven for shorting airline stocks. I'm I'm not gonna comment on my feelings on that, but from right. the capitalist standpoint, it's like they didn't make the airline stocks go down. Sick like, dude, they, you watch billions, man. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, about yeah, to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, you know. So it's like it's one of those things where I understand the shallow level thinking if you will or like the first level thinking but that's not it and also from like like the capitalist standpoint if it wasn't going to be someone else i mean if it wasn't going to be you let's call it you then it would be someone else and then finally the last thing about shorting is that in my opinion shorting comes down to two things and it's incredibly simple but <laughs> that being said it's incredibly simple yet incredibly difficult because it comes down to managing your emotions and those two things are one waiting for failed follow through and then immediately short and then having risk management so if you don't have risk management you will get smoked that's why mans was saying that he loves puts over commons because it already defines your risk if you never add to a position and it's one of those things where you never add to it but every single time you take this trade and you know you're you ride it to zero as long as you have a good win rate, you will you will be profitable. But it's those situations where, you know, if you short Tesla and then Tesla goes against you 600 points, let's call it, I mean, you could lose your house if you have commons. So to me, the two most important things are, like I said, risk management and then also being proactive uh, with your covers because what we know is, is that the backside of the move comes 10 times faster. And so what we end up getting caught up inside the short side is that it's, you know, we'll see like four red candles in a row and we won't cover because we'll want it to continue to go. But like 
the short the short side happens so fast. But then when people start to cover, all of a sudden the move will retrace half of what it did. So that's what I see is that is that is that emotional sense of like, okay, if it can just get back down there, I'll cover the rest. And then all of a sudden it moves yeah. back because then buyers step in. So same thing like like you know, shorts come in and then panic sellers. When we start to when covers start to come and then you know FOMO buyers come in and then you have FOMO covers come in and the moves right back. So risk management and you know taking the meat of the move and that's it is probably the two most important things. And I see the short side as being easier for most traders. It's just controlling those two emotions is so difficult. Right. Yeah. And I also, think that's huge. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you. No, no, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just going to like kind of affirm what uh, he was saying. It's, it really is an emotional game and you just have to realize that, you know, there's somebody else making money when the stock is going down, right? So you have to just make a choice, you know, you can say like, if, if it's your religion to not make money, like some, I've saw someone say that, like it's against their religion to short and it's like, I, I don't, I'm not an expert on or religion, you know, religious yeah, beliefs. I have to look into that. <laughs> I'm not an expert on it. But all I'm saying is if you're making money on the way up, I think you should probably be able to make money on the way down too. Yeah. And also it's like when people are doing DD, you know, they're usually looking for good things. And when they find those bad things, instead of thinking of, Hey, maybe I can short this. They, they're like, okay, on to the next company. If, cause yeah. maybe Hugh told them, you know, you're looking for these things and they, they'd find like, Oh, this company sucks. Instead of being like, well, maybe there's room for this to go down. They're just, okay. On to the next. So it's kind of like, they're just looking for good and they don't see the good and bad. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I mean, listen, China Hustle, y'all know I love that movie. It's literally my favorite fucking movie. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, I don't really fuck with some of the some of the main characters inside that movie cuz uh I just I don't fuck with them. But uh but the overall like hedge fund activist shorts, oh, I'm all there, baby. I'm there. I'm there. I was going to say this wasn't going to be our uh, third podcast if uh Hugh didn't mention China Hustle. So I love China Hustle. I the pod is now official. Love God. it. Love China who, Hustle who has live sports me? too, dude. So it's <laughs> <laughs> the only place to watch the China Hustle. So make sure make sure who it. Is because 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 uh, not only do I like it from from your perspective from the perspective that Dan was talking about, like hey, if you see something wrong, you know you can short this down. Like it truly uncovers how fucked up the market is. Like and, right. and and I understand that that it was super fucked up at that time where companies were taking reverse mergers and were basically taking like farmers from third world countries and making them CEOs and like sticking like a hundred million dollar market cap on these companies when they did like a hundred thousand. Okay, so I understand that like that like it's super elementary and like yeah like that's like really bad, but it shows that like anything can get listed like. Like we're supposed to just trust the NASDAQ. Like we're just supposed to trust like these to list good companies on the exchange. And that's just not true. And I think that that movie truly shows like, oh shit, like this is nuts. Like this is actually happens. And it'll be the same thing with the SPACs. We talked about the SPACs when the SPAC yep. uh, a year plus ago. And I said, listen, the first wave of SPACs probably are, are okay. The next wave, smart money will start coming in and you'll start to see really shitty companies that probably aren't companies and like I was calling them smart money. And uh, and it ended up being that even the first wave of SPACs kind of seemed like bullshit. So I can't wait for a movie on SPACs. I think, it, I, think, yeah. I think that movie will be really good too. 
I mean, what is it? Beach body, right? It was like touted as like the next Peloton. Now it's at like a dollar fifty a share. <laughs> like it's 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 insane to see. Like if you think about it, in like in all reality, the one spec that I can like honestly say has been successful and like is a real like bona fide company is Lucid, right? Like that's the only one that's like really come out of like the like high what is it highland right like nicola like all of these like just scam companies like shout out alex cutler yeah (laughs) (laughs) right like he might he might be in another one right now with polestar we don't know right (laughs) but um but literally it's like insane and look at like but the one that has come out of that has been successful so that just like kind of shows you like cream rises to the top right like i remember the day that the day that lucid did the like delivered their cars like the day that people got the keys in their hand was the day that it it also simultaneously broke out on the chart and it went like 30 percent because it was like okay this company's real like these cars are on the road like it's actually happened which you cannot say for like this isn't any of those other companies uh natasha fisker or anything is it <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know, you know man. i want to see those cars on the road <laughs> they, they, <laughs> I listen know. i think they follow you forget you guys follow each other right uh she unfollowed me after they fixed oh, my merchandise ooh. order um but <laughs> we'll still she'll, short fisker yeah no i think there's Seriously, still potential there. there, there <laughs> there's still potential you know she probably did it on accident honestly no she probably did it no no i think she did the merchandise mix up on purpose just so i could dm her but um that, that was it that i think so it. too yeah no, but she said it, she, you know it's it's just nice to see her on you know post an instagram story every now and then <laughs> That's i respect it uh so question uh because we talked about crypto earlier yeah and you used to trade riot and mara a lot every day do you have much crypto like i know you have some crypto um very very small um and and i'll kind of give you the the reasoning behind it is is so crypto for me is never something that like well i i'm sure i could trade it like the chart is the same personally i just don't know it as well right like so i like to stick with what i know best as far as owning it long term like i see the application for sure like with nfts i see the like applicability of in like housing titles, like, yeah, this, like, it doesn't need to be on paper anymore. Like the blockchain could verify that. I get it. And I think that there's going to be a couple that like really succeed. Right. So I have probably like less than 1% of my like total long-term portfolio allocated because I think that we are in a bull cycle. I think that we are like maybe mid to end bull cycle. And I really am trying to my gut here. And I haven't been old enough to really like have gone through the last cycle as a, like a, as an investor, but um, I think that we're going to see history repeat itself in a sense where we see this like really harsh NFT and crypto winter. And I think we're going to see that like 70 plus percent correction. I mean, we've already seen a 53% correction on Bitcoin, right? So um, that's why I don't own too much yet. Um, I would be interested in, in definitely acquiring some more of it when people like hate it more. And, and, you know, yeah, whenever my, whenever I go to one family event and I don't get asked about anything blockchain related, I'll start really thinking about it. Yep. Yeah. That's <laughs> when the money starts coming out to buy the dip for sure. No, it's, it's, it's the truest adage though. Is like if the 99% are doing something like it's probably like, maybe like, you know, you don't want to be that, that 99% at that time, right? Like if any, everybody's FOMOing into board, board API club, like maybe you yeah. should wait. 
or like look for a better. I think that's like the truest, you know, it's an adage as old as time, right? So the only time I've seen it work in the stock market is like 2020. You know, everyone just gets in something and sure as hell, it just goes up. No, it never stops, dude. Um, what a time, man. I and look what, look what happened. And we're paying for it now. Yeah, dude. And we're paying for it. Run. Party close yeah, to the door, dude. I saw something. Uh, I saw a tweet yesterday. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, January 24th. What was yesterday? Monday. And, uh, and it said something like, Uncle Joe sitting down at his desk right now after the market closes to see that like he made 400 bucks or something, but has yeah. no idea what happened in the market. Like has no <laughs> idea at one point in the day, he was getting absolutely wrecked. Yeah. Like if, yeah. if, if the day had closed down there and it had happened like 30 more times, he would be broke. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's definitely one of those things. Like if you're not, pay- oh man, it goes down, goes back up. I don't think Uncle Joe is gonna add the dip anyway, so it's all good. But, <laughs> exactly. Um, but last- like my parents, like my parents check their accounts like quarterly, if that. And that's like me. Be- right. That was me like begging them. So I think it's. I think it's. I think it's so. All right. Do you guys ever feel? All right. I know we're getting off topic. Do you guys ever walk around and be like, mm, these bitches have no idea what's going on right now? Like, no. <laughs> Do you think Dude, my a, mom has? Do you think like a? <laughs> do you think an architect just walks around? He's like, man, they have no idea how many bricks are in this fucking house. Yes, I feel like yes, they definitely yes, do. They yes, definitely exactly. do. Yeah. Like I walk around and I hear someone like talking about like a like a seven hour coffee, and I'm like, you're gonna want that back tomorrow, baby. <laughs> Assuming they're invested at all. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, so last time we kind of talked about how, you know, when you're doing all your calls, one of your favorite things to do are the sympathies. When we kind of mentioned earlier with, uh, you know, Bitcoin sympathies and the EV sympathies, et cetera, et cetera, without kind of spoiling your shorting for dummies videos. And we'll kind of get to how to get to that later or how to access that later. Would you kind of 
name off a couple of your strategies that, you know, the average guy could use uh, or girl, you know, assuming you are short <laughs> for, you know, strategies for getting puts or maybe even shorting. Should you so please? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so uh, like one of the best entry level strategies is like first just, you know, read it, like be able to read a chart like somewhat, right? You want to really like try to understand those like basic support here, resistance here, like people like to buy it here, sell here, right? And then as far as like shorter term trading, right now, the only things I'm really trading are SPY, QQQ, NVIDIA, you know, and that's really honestly been it for like the last, like I'm a guy that I don't need a, a million stocks to make money. I make my living off of two or three stocks like most weeks, right? Just depending on what has good volume. Right now, SPY and QQQ have great volume. They also happen to respect levels like pretty well. Um, and I would, you know, one strategy that I use is just looking at that hourly chart, maybe like before you go to bed um, the night before uh, and looking at that time frame because that's giving you like a little bit of a view of like the past, like, you know, five days, whatever. Understanding, okay, like we've had a lot of, you know, like yesterday, for example, right? We gapped up like crazy at the end of the day, but where did, you know, SPY end up stopping, right? At the end of the day, it stopped right at a big resistance point on the hourly. So I came into this morning is, okay, like we probably at least need to flush back down and retest prior resistance and confirm a support. So at the very least, like I'm going into that day with like 60, 40 short bias because we're at resistance, right? And, and at, at its simplest form, like trading is about, you know, if you're a buyer buying at support and selling at resistance. And if you're a short seller or, or you're playing puts, it's about shorting at resistance, right? And, and, you know, having a stop above that. So that's one of the you know, tried and true, like best entry level strategies is just do that with spy and QQQ, play around with it and, and don't like blow up your like freaking account. Like take it like really slow, like buy like one put and then like see if you understand what's going on. And like, that's the way you're going to learn. Right. It's, it's really is that simple. So one of your, you're more of like a day trading options kind of guy. Uh, and right. obviously, like we were talking about earlier, there's tons of money to make playing both sides. Uh, are there ever Absolutely. times where your call works out so successful during the day, you just start putting it once it hits a peak? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like I do that with uh, spying QQQ all the time. Yeah. So like uh, l last week, um, we like... I shorted the open and on Monday and then similar to yesterday, like played the long side into close. I didn't play the long side yesterday, but, um, you know, I'll trade both sides every single day, all the time. Like I, I will literally get out of my call. I did it yesterday, got on my call off open for like 38%. I think I was in it 10 minutes and then I shorted and was in that for like 30 or 40 minutes. And, you know, it, it, I have literally like perma, no bias, I literally just play the levels that are in front of me, which is like the whole thing I preach in the room all the time is that it's the only thing that matters. Like everybody that is out here using like 30 indicators is probably just like off their rocker or looking for a crutch. Like at the end of the day, it's about psychology and, and where people like to sell things and where people like to buy them. And traders respect that. What do you think is the most difficult part of transitioning from playing one side to now being playing both sides, you know, at the same time? Because uh, I know a lot of people, it's like, okay, I finally am good at this. Do I even need to kind of, you know, learn the other side, but then they get in this market and they're like, shit, well, maybe I do. Yeah. Well, the answer in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, but is yes, right? Like you should just, even as a life skill, it's good to know how these things work, right? Because it's going to teach you more about the psychology behind it than anything. Um, 
but yeah, like, you know, it's a huge, the biggest hurdle to get over is just like that. Those first like two or three trades are probably not going to go your way. Like you might just pick a bad spot or you might wait for it to come down too much. Right. And, and that can kind of be discouraging just like when you start trading, right. But you're going to, it's going to come so much quicker than trading does because it's already, it's the same thing. It's literally just in the inverse. Right. So it's going to come way quicker. And, and once you have that first like really successful day, uh, which I remember for me was last March, I want to say it was like the Coinbase IPO day. Uh, I shorted Riot directly off the open and I think it faded like 18 or 19%. And my puts went like, they were weeklies and it was a Thursday. And I think they went like 700% and like maybe a thousand percent in one day, like from open to close. And there was like never a point where I was red. And I was like, oh. So like, this is like the possibility behind this. And I, and I think I like at the time, like did like 25% of my account, right. Or whatever. Right. And it was just like, okay, I like this. And that's what got me into shorting in the first place. So just play super small, like at first, like get a couple wins under your belt, even if they're small and then transition with some size. And once you get your first winner, you're going to be like, okay, it's the same shit. Just, you know. It's, it's it's real money, right? Either way. One one last little update from your previous one. Are you still doing your account size the same way where you keep a set amount in there and just kind of withdraw around it? So that's a good question. Uh, so I stopped doing that for a like I was doing it uh, all of last fall up until October when DWAC went crazy. And then I sized up. So like at most times I was trading with like a hundred in my options account when DWAC and all that happened, I, I, I sized up, uh, to basically triple that. Um, and then I let it kind of go while the market was hot. But unfortunately we only got that really crazy, like range market for like two weeks, right? It was like DWAC and then GNUS and then like some other mid cap names ran and there was great money. But once that stopped, I was like, you know what, you know, I just keep it at, you know, a certain amount. Now I keep it at like 250 and then just you know, I, I never one thing I will say, and, and maybe it's like a disclaimer of sorts, but options are made so that you don't have to risk as much capital. So like, I would be very careful, like, if God forbid, you do have like a six figure account, my max size on an options play is never more than 10% of my account. There's just it's it, like, at some point, it's just the risk reward, like you might as well just trade the commons, like definitely long side, but you might as well just trade comments at that point, kind of, you know, it's like, you're kind of risking a ton of money at that point. So, um, just, just be smart about how you size into things, especially cause you can, you know, one, one little move can cost you 30% playing options, right? That's the big difference. All right. And we are not, you know, we never like to promote too much paid stuff, but yours is a totally unique service. I feel like with all the videos and the options calls and, and tons of great reviews. Uh, so I think it's, you know, would be doing you a disservice not to. So would you kind of tell us what you offer in your on your Patreon or in your room and kind of, you know, let the people know how to get in should they want to? Well, I mean, we're still going to yeah, get paid for this, right? <laughs> yeah yeah come on we signed the agreement no um yeah you know what i uh, i never try to force people to join if they don't want to it does take up a lot of my time um and that's why it's paid it's just it's my time right which i do value but we um have especially the last like few months have really upped the game in terms of like the video production right like that's one of the big ones that we're 
doing a video every single week now with like a lesson which is supposed to be kind of built around people with like smaller accounts like under 25k just kind of like really enforcing like high quality lessons on those really like what I believe are the much needed principles. Um, I do do a private Twitter where I journal my options trades throughout the day. So you can kind of see what I'm doing and hopefully develop your own system based on that. But you know, it kind of gives you that guide of like, okay, well, this is what man's doing. Um, most of the people that have a lot of success are usually like, oh my gosh, like, you know, when I do a one-on-one -on -one with someone, they'll be like, I finally like realized I was getting it when I was entering like your position at the same time you were. So I, you know, I really think it's about the education. We do a pre-market live stream every day. And then I've been doing a power hour live stream too now. So it, it really is kind of like an all encompassing thing. Um, we really try to like start with a good foundation, you know, um, but it's just, it's a good community. I love it. And uh, yeah, you know, so we, uh, we have a Patreon. It opens up every first of every month. So, you know, are coming DM up soon. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, uh, exactly. Well, I think I think this one may be coming out right before. So what's we'll, we'll Sunday? Yeah, the day. Yeah. yeah day before, day before uh, a couple yeah. of days before. So uh, make sure to reach out. Yeah, um, man, we'll make sure to tag them on Twitter whenever we post it. And uh, thanks a lot for coming on in the middle of the day, man. Yeah, man, of course, I was uh, happy to. I'm sorry my eyes are like deviated being over to uh, Spy and QQQ. But... Me too, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we had a phone call like right before. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks again. Uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Penny's Going In Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.